It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and we're off another week of In Defense of the Big 12. I'm Bra- I'm Tyler McComas. I'm not Brad Kellner. I wish that was Brad <laughs> Kellner after the great weekend that he had. He's Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. I'm Tyler McComas in the great state of Oklahoma. And boy, what a weekend we had in the Big 12. Big time matchup between Iowa State and Oklahoma State. I think that it's time to say that there is a new best team in this conference after this weekend. Did Oklahoma get right after their big win over TCU in Fort Worth? And the Texas Longhorns snapped their two-game losing streak to the Baylor Bears. Um, boy, BK, I'll, I'll, I'll let you kind of direct us on where we start this weekend because there were a lot of things. The eyes of Texas we talked about for two weeks. Oklahoma, are they about to get right? Iowa State and Oklahoma State, the first-ranked matchup of the season. Like, What was the big storyline coming out of this weekend? Well, the big storyline is you're the first person in the history of the world to want to be me. So I appreciate that, yes. sir. Uh, that's a questionable judgment on your part, but uh, I take that as a compliment. Now, I think we have to start with the game in Stillwater, right? The first ranked matchup of Big 12 play this year. And I think you and I both picked Iowa State to go into Stillwater and win this yep. football game. Just felt better about Brock Purdy. We weren't quite sure. What we were going to get from the quarterback position at Oklahoma State was Spencer Sanders coming back from an injury. Uh, we weren't even sure if he was going to play, if he was going to play every snap, but he ended up playing and you know had a couple of turnovers, which obviously was the issue for Spencer Sanders last year as a freshman, but he played pretty well. And Oklahoma State's defense, man. I mean, I know Brock Purdy isn't having the year that Iowa State fans were hoping that he was going to have, but he's still a very, very good quarterback. And the Oklahoma State defense, which came into the game number two in the country in scoring defense, Iowa State far and away the toughest offense they were going to have to go up against. I know they gave up a lot to Brees Hall, but holding Iowa State to 21 points, uh, that Cowboys defense is for real. And if yeah. they continue to play like that, they've got a really, really good shot to win this league this year. I'm, I'm comfortable right now saying that Oklahoma State's the best defense in the Big 12. And I was hesitant on saying that going into this game. Because I've been burned before by Oklahoma State defenses, right? They'll play well in non-conference. They'll play early in the conference slate. And then once they face some of the more formidable offenses in the league, they start giving up 40 and 50 points on the reg. I just, I don't think that you're going to see them give up 50 plus points in a game or 45 plus points in a game. Now, the, the broadcast on Saturday said, who's playing better defense in America right now, better than Oklahoma State? And... I mean, there's like a half of that I agree with. Like statistically, very few teams are playing better than Oklahoma State. I still don't think that this is a defense to the level of an Alabama, a Clemson, or Ohio State. But in terms of what we've seen from this conference defensively, this is a really, really, this is a really good unit. And 
This is a this is a unit to where offensively they're not perfect right now. They're not hitting on all cylinders, but for the first time in a while, they don't need to be because they're playing such good defense on that side of the ball. I mean, yeah. forever they've let up so many big plays down the field, and they are limiting big plays. You've got to earn it against this Oklahoma State defense if you want to score. Yeah, I guess my counterpoint would be, and to try to follow suit with the name of this podcast, right, in defense of the Big 12, I mean, Alabama gave up 40-plus to Ole Miss this year. Clemson just gave up a lot to Syracuse over the weekend. Uh, I mean, look, I don't think Oklahoma State's the best defense in college football, but they are playing at a really, really high level right now. And once again, they they still have some tougher offenses to go up against this year. I mean, Iowa State's offense is very, very good, but it hasn't been, I think, what a lot of folks expected it to be this year. So I think the jury for some folks is still going to be out until they play maybe in Oklahoma uh, maybe a Texas, which comes up next week because the Longhorns, at least going into the weekend, despite their struggles, had the number one scoring offense in all of college football. So maybe there are some folks who are still on the fence with the Oklahoma State defense, but it's hard to disagree with you, man. I mean, they they have passed every test to this point with flying colors. And you know, Jim Knowles is doing a hell of a job. We talked about it all offseason long, how many returning players Oklahoma State had on that defense. I mean, I think 14 of their top 15 tacklers from a year ago are back for that Cowboys defense. And we weren't quite sure, like, hey, just because they all came back from last year, you know, how good are they going to be? Truncated off season, did they really improve that much? They look really, really good. And they've done just about everything right to this point. They've been creating some takeaways as well. So, yeah, it feels like right now that unit is the best in the Big 12. And it feels like, you know, I'm not I'm not putting them in the, in the top five in all of college football. Yeah. But, man, it, it feels like they're in that top tier, maybe that second tier, of the best defenses in the country right now with the way they've looked through uh, through four games. This may not be fair because there's no shame in losing to this Oklahoma State team on the road right now because they're they're pretty good. I mean, if you did a Big 12 power poll today, you've got to put Oklahoma State number one. But this, again, is kind of an example of what we talked about with Iowa State before the year. And I realized that they beat Oklahoma and Ames, and that was a big win, but it's like just when Iowa State gets on the big stage, right? Mm. Like – here's a chance for them to almost virtually lock up a spot in a Big 12 championship game. They go out and lose to Oklahoma State, and Connor Asali, or as we like to say, Ass Alley, hmm. misses two makeable field goals that probably could have won them the game. You, you know, yeah. it's just, here's Iowa State again, in a big moment, chance to impress, and they kind of fall flat on their face. Again, I mean, again, maybe that's not fair, because losing this Oklahoma State team in Stillwater, there's no shame in it, but... Iowa State had their chances to win, man. They really yeah. did. No, and that's another thing we talked about all offseason long, right? Iowa State was a trendy pick for a lot of folks around this league. You know, a, a team that could make it to Arlington and maybe win the Big 12 championship this year. But you and I have had some doubts because every time, and I know Iowa State, the Matt Campbell era is the best era of Iowa State football in maybe forever, right? I mean, just the consistency yeah. they've gotten under Matt Campbell over the last three or four years. I don't have all the numbers in front of me right now, but what he's done at Ames uh, in Ames has been pretty much unprecedented by Iowa State standards. But yeah, every time they get into this big game, right? I mean, it was two years ago, the game in Austin, which was kind of a de facto Big 12 semifinal game. Uh, Texas dominated Iowa State in that game. There were a couple of times last year where Iowa State had a chance to really put itself in prime position to get to Jerry World, but they came up short in those games. And yeah, look, we don't want to close the book on the Cyclones, right? Plenty of games left. They still have a great opportunity to find their way to Arlington in December. But yeah, I mean, a win in Stillwater on Saturday, and they had their opportunities to get that win would have been huge to uh, to punch their ticket to Arlington. And you're right. I mean, it kind of felt like they would have been in the driver's seat, sort of on the inside looking out 
to at least be one of those top two teams at the end of the year. Now they've got some work to do. Yeah, so good win for Oklahoma State. They're 4-0. and After being off for three consecutive weeks, pretty big to, to get that win at home. Yeah. But is there any way that we should be worried about their offense at all moving forward? Spencer Sanders was 20-29 and for 235. One touchdown, two interceptions. And Spencer Sanders that we saw last year that was very mistake-prone at times, that guy did show up on Saturday in Stillwater. So the defense is, is really good, and I don't think that that's going to change. But do we need to worry about the quarterback position moving forward at OSU? Yeah, that's a fair question, man. I mean, give Iowa State's defense some credit, right? That's a really, really solid defense with John Haycock. They've done great for years. So that's a tough test for Spencer Sanders, especially considering he hadn't played for, what, five or six weeks, right? I mean, he got hurt in that Tulsa game way back in September. You mentioned the Popes as a team hadn't played in three weeks. So that's a tough uh, bounce-back game for Spencer Sanders. But, yeah, I mean, the turnovers, that's what every Oklahoma State fan is going to be watching this year. Was that just a one-off going up against a pretty good defense? Or for the second straight year, is that going to be an issue for Spencer Sanders? It was good to see Chuba Hubbard do his thing, right? I mean, we we know what he's capable of going for 2,000 yards last year. But for Oklahoma State to get to Arlington and win the Big 12 championship, they need consistent performances like that out of Chuba Hubbard. So he was really, really good. I thought the offensive line did a good job creating some holes for him throughout the game on Saturday. That was nice to see. But yeah, I mean, Spencer Sanders, he played well, but he's got to cut down on those mistakes uh, for Oklahoma State to keep their spot in the top 10. By the way, in defense of the Big 12, we are sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the United States. We have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry Football followers and podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Just go to our website, LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, and you can pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It is that easy. Just go to LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page and get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. Yeah, I guess one, go ahead. One, one quick thought on yeah. uh, on Oklahoma State. Like I, I'm a little bit surprised. I think it was the right decision by Mike Gundy, and obviously OSU won, so you can't criticize it. But I, I, I'm curious, like moving forward, and I was a little bit surprised this past Saturday that we didn't see Shane Illingworth at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like, what's the leash on Spencer Sanders, right? I mean, Illingworth, the true freshman. There was no quarterback competition in Stillwater at all going into the season. So it makes sense that Sanders got the start against Iowa State when he was fully healthy, and they were winning that game for the majority of the game. So it makes sense that he played all four quarters. But whether it's against Texas this weekend, who's Oklahoma State's next opponent, or just at some point later this year, like what's the leash for Spencer Sanders? Did Mike Gundy see enough from Shane Illingworth to where like, okay, if if Spencer Sanders has like a Spencer Rattler first half against Texas – or he just turns the ball over a couple of times and looks out of sorts, does he consider maybe pulling the plug and putting Illingworth in for a couple of series? I think that could be something to watch the rest of the way for the Pokes. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say Texas could see the other Oklahoma team this week and see a scenario where Spencer Sanders turns it over twice and Shane Illingworth comes in and Spencer Sanders goes back in. Like Mike Gundy Hmm. might use the Lincoln-Riley strategy because – I mean, Shane Ellingworth's got a chance to be a good player. There's no doubt. But I think the future for Oklahoma State's program is Spencer Sanders. Like, his ceiling is probably higher. He's really good running the football. He's got a chance to be 
um, one of the best that they've had there. He's got to grow a lot. So, yeah, I think you could see a scenario like that in the first half where Ellingworth comes in, but you realize Spencer Sanders is your best chance to win the football game. Yeah. So you take him out for a few series and throw him back in and see if that changes anything. Yeah, obviously not what you want if you're Oklahoma State, right? You love Spencer Sanders to play well enough to stay in, and you want him to stay healthy, of course, right? That's something you're going to have to watch the rest of the yeah. way, but potentially something to monitor there, no doubt. Hey, if you're checking us out on Twitch, join us in the comment section. We love that. Is there any? Is there anybody more loyal in your life than Spartan Martin? <laughs> I mean, just always there, man. Yeah, I think always. he's more loyal than my mom, honestly. <laughs> like Spartan Barton is there for me more than my own moms. It's crazy, man. What if it yeah. is one of our moms, and they're just disguising themselves as a Florida Gator <laughs> fan that likes college football? Uh, I know my mom does not know as much college football <laughs> as Spartan Barton does. So maybe it's your mom who uh, who is disguising there. But my mom, this is a foreign language to her, dude. Uh, you want to get one of uh, his comments in here before we move on? Iowa State's defense looks good too. Yeah, I, I, um, I think that they might have the best player, defensive player in the conference, in Jaquan Bailey. He's just he's a monster up front, man. Yeah, he's legit, and he torched Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago, and it, it's amazing, right? Iowa State with the three down fronts, the amount of pressure they're able to get on opposing quarterbacks and really the amount of havoc they're able to wreak in opposing backfields by bringing just three on the vast majority of plays. I mean, the John Haycock defense is really, really highly regarded amongst football circles, right? I mean, it's crazy. You've had college and NFL defensive coaches go to Ames, Iowa to study what John Haycock is doing with that sort of three down eight back uh, drop eight type defense that Iowa State implements. And it takes really good defensive linemen to be successful implementing that D and uh, they've had it over the last few years. And Jaquan Bailey is one of the best they've ever had up there. Hey, moving on. How about Oklahoma playing four quarters of football? Hey, (laughs) how about that? Complimentary on both sides. No stress. Easy win for OU this weekend. I I swear. It's like every time OU goes to Fort Worth, they've got some issues they need to get resolved. And Fort Worth is like OU's get right game. Hmm. I swear that that always happens. And, here we go again. Maybe this team's turned the corner. I don't know. Spencer Rattler played well. No turnovers. Defensively, they look good once again. Marvin Mims is a true freshman, is a, a stud. Dude. All of a sudden, after, what, three weeks after that Iowa State win, thoughts on this team around here have kind of flipped a little bit. Yeah, I saw you tweet out on Saturday, right? Maybe there's some fear around Big 12 country that, uh-oh, like Oklahoma, they got things right. A blowout win against a pretty decent TCU team and – The schedule opens up a little bit in the second half of conference play. Maybe the Sooners can make a run. Maybe they can run the table and get the help they need from around this conference and find their way to Arlington for the sixth straight year. Uh, There's definitely some fear around the Big 12 of that happening. But, yeah, they needed it. They needed a performance like that. Uh, Give Oklahoma a lot of credit. They got some stuff done over the past week. at TJ Pledger, very, very impressive game on the ground. Marvin Mims, you mentioned him. I mean, he looks legit. Uh, I saw the – the front page of what the the Oklahoma student newspaper said Marvin's room and then had a picture of uh, of nice. Marvin Mims mossing one of the TCU defensive backs. That guy's legit. I mean, that was that's been a staple of the Oklahoma offense for the last few years, right? I mean, whether it's D.D. Westbrook or Sterling Shepard or C.D. Lamb, you've got that Sunday wide receiver. And I know Marvin Mims is only a freshman. And it'll be a couple of years before he's eligible to play on Sundays. But that dude is looking like next in line. Uh, for OU wide receivers, for really, really good Oklahoma wide receivers. So he was great on Saturday. The Oklahoma defense, I think, is a big story, right? I mean, obviously what they did against Texas, 
uh, in the fourth quarter in those overtimes was pretty disappointing, a pretty sour taste in their mouths after what happened the last time they took the field, but a great performance by them. And yeah, for four quarters, I mean, I watched that game on Saturday with an Oklahoma grad, one of my buddies up in the Metroplex. And at the start of the fourth quarter, I'm like, dude, this game is over. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, have you watched this this year? And I'm like, all right, fair point. Fair point. Fourth quarters have been a problem for Oklahoma. Blowing leads late has been an issue for Oklahoma. Uh, but on Saturday, stress-free, like you said, they found a way to get it done relatively easily. Gary Patterson's got to find a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive system. He's He's got to start from, from rock bottom because we, or I, around here, we said, look, the quarterback run game is going to be an issue. Sam Ellinger has had a lot of success with it. Quarterbacks in the past, Skylar Thompson has had a lot of success with it. OU has trouble stopping the quarterback run game, and that's what TCU does best offensively. And I watched that game, and it was in the fourth quarter. Max Duggan gets loose and has like a 30-yard gain, something like that. And I say to myself, holy crap. I totally forgot TCU offensively, what they do best is run the quarterback. They didn't do it all game long. Like, yeah. It's what you do best. It's what OU has the toughest time defending. I don't know what the hell TCU was trying to do offensively. I, like, rewatch that game. I don't know what, like, TCU's game plan was going into that game. And, again, give credit to Oklahoma defensively. They played well. But Gary Patterson's got to find something new offensively that works because that was an awful game plan yeah. once again against OU. Yeah, I TCU. what they were trying to do. Yeah, TCU was hopeful, right? The remarriage of Sonny Cumbie and Doug Meacham would produce similar results to what they produced at the start of the decade, but that didn't make a whole lot of sense on Saturday. And, man, Max Duggan, I mean, for Texas fans, he's the most frustrating player in the entire world. Because mm-hmm. every time Max Duggan plays Texas, right, last year and this year, he goes off and everyone's like, oh, my God, like this guy's got potential to be really – really good just look at what he did against texas like wow this guy is showing flashes of brilliance and then he plays like every other team in the league and he looks like a high schooler yep. and yeah i'm with you i mean the game plan for tcu i'm not putting this all on max duggan he wasn't terrible on saturday by any stretch but the game plan for tcu didn't make a whole lot of sense it sort of felt like it played right into the hands of what oklahoma is good at defensively so yeah that was uh that was weird to see and, and, and i'm an alex grinch fan I still think he's the right man for the job as a defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. But obviously, it hasn't been a great start to the year defensively for OU. Uh, That was a great, great performance by them on Saturday. So give Oklahoma some credit for sure. But yeah, TCU was not in rhythm at all on that side of the football on Saturday. The most controversial player since I've been alive at OU continues to be Buki Radley-Hiles. I mean, you just (laughs) talk about a player that the fan base just – really cannot stand and it's it's him um he hasn't played well this year there, there's no doubt about that he he did lead the team in tackles on Saturday which is interesting but he gives up a big play but tackles he gets up talking trash everything I mean I, I really haven't seen a guy that the fan base just cannot stand more than Buki um I don't think all of it is his fault I think that it was super unfair for Mike Stoops to say yeah, this guy reminds me of Roy Williams before he ever played a down at OU. Yeah. Like, what are we supposed to think as fans after that, right? I mean, unrealistic expectations were put on this kid who is undersized and maybe playing out of position. So there is a part of me that feels bad for Buki, but dude, quit making tackles 12 yards downfield and getting up and talking mess to the opposing team. Come on, man. Yeah, Texas has had some guys do that this year. It's very frustrating, right? I mean, I... 
read the room, dude. Read the room. Yeah. This goes to football players at all levels, right? I mean, if you make a play 15 yards down the field, you don't get to flex. You don't get to talk trash because that was a successful play for the offense. And if you make a play in the backfield, but you're down by 21 points in the fourth quarter, you also don't get the flex. So, yeah, Radley Hiles has talked a lot of trash over his Oklahoma career, and uh, Texas fans aren't too fond of that guy. I know Oklahoma fans, as you mentioned, aren't fond of that guy either, and he's pretty much started every year that he's been in Norman, and he can be there for another year, right, because of the uh, eligibility blankets that we're getting in college football this year. But, yeah, now he's – and, look, I think he's been wronged maybe more than Mike Stoops. He was wronged by rivals who rated him a five-star in high school. Mm-hmm. Like that guy's not a five-star player, right? I mean, I know not every five-star pans out. I get that, but uh, that guy hasn't even shown flashes of being a five-star, like at all. During well, his career. Yeah, and, and that and that added an immense amount of pressure too, yeah. because OU routinely recruits inside the top ten. But you'll be surprised to how little five stars they actually get. They get a whole lot of high four-star talent. They will get some five stars, but they're not like Georgia or Alabama or even Texas in some years where you see four or five guys, you know, with five star. So when OU gets a five star, it's like, okay, God, this guy has to emerge as one of our better players, especially Mm -hmm. defensively. And it just, it just has, OU's done a very, very poor job for all the good that they've done. They've done a very poor job of developing five-star talent. Buki Radley-Hiles, Caleb Kelly, still waiting on it. At this point, yeah. you got to say that it's probably never going to happen. And those three five-star wide receivers, still waiting on Theo Weiss, Jaden Hazelwood. I mean, the rest of those uh, – Bray Walker is a five-star that doesn't even play on the offensive line right now. It's just kind of weird. When OU gets those top-flight guys, they don't even contribute. Do you see what hat I'm wearing right now? Yeah, I see it. You're preaching to the choir, dude. I know. I mean, nobody has been worse at developing talent than Texas over the last decade. True. So, no pity – no empathy coming from this end, my friend. Because more often than not, Oklahoma is able to develop its top end talent. But I'm with you. It's frustrating. And uh, that that has been an issue at Oklahoma, but obviously it's been an issue here in Austin, no doubt. Spartan Barton says Texas looked good against Baylor. They did. I mean, they gave up a couple late scores that made that game a lot closer than it actually was. But uh, I thought Ellinger played well outside of the one interception that he had. Still, what, what do you think is the big complaint, the running game? On Saturday for Texas? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the game plan was questionable. Now, Texas won by double digits, so it's hard to be too – what's the word I'm looking for? It's hard to criticize too much, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. But 47 rushes to just 23 pass attempts for Texas on Saturday. Now, Tom Herman, that's his bread and butter. That's what he wants to do, and he talked about that during the bye week after the Oklahoma game. Like, this team needs to get back to its roots. They need to get back to having a successful, consistent rushing attack. So I figured, all right, there's probably a chance that we're going to see a lot of the ground game uh, against Baylor, and that's what we saw. But, man, I mean, it it was a sluggish start for Texas on offense. I mean, 9 of 11 of their first quarter plays were runs, and they picked up 38 yards of total offense. Like, they weren't that effective running the football. They only averaged 3.4 yards per carry on Saturday. But – They were able to pick up yards when they needed to. They were able to score some touchdowns on the ground. So once again, it's hard to complain too, too much. Like, I I don't feel great about this team's rushing attack uh, based on what they did on Saturday against a very, very mediocre Baylor football team. Yeah, I mean, but hey, the win's a win, and I didn't hear anything about the eyes after the game, so I'm going to guess everything was all good, right? Everybody's been on the field? 
Yeah, no, they did it. And this is kind of what I projected, right? I, I said this on the radio here in Austin. I can't remember if I said it on this podcast on Thursday, but a lot of people disagreed with me. I just felt like Texas was going to go full PR stunt and stand on the field as a team for the eyes of Texas, right? I mean, I didn't think everyone was going to sing. I didn't think everyone was going to put their horns up. I think we're past that at this point, right? That's never going to happen again. But I figured, all right, just to calm the masses, that would happen on Saturday after the game, right? They'd stand as a group and they'd stay out there for the eyes of Texas to try to shut everybody up, to show that they're unified, to show that the locker room is not fractured. And they did just that. So, yeah, that's probably why it wasn't a huge story after the game on Saturday because uh, they did what was normal, or at least what was normal before this year in terms of the eyes of Texas. So I asked you last week, I was like, is there any, like, because there is conversation last week and definitely conversation now of Oklahoma running the table and getting back to the Big 12 championship. So I said to you, I said, hey, Texas mathematically is still very much in this. Is there a hope that they can run the rest of the table? And you said, absolutely not. Has it changed at least a little bit since you you got that win against Baylor and you look at the spread, Oklahoma State's only a three and a half point favorite in Stillwater this weekend, which is interesting. Yeah. Is there maybe a flip of that just a little bit to think, okay, maybe Texas can get right and play really well down the stretch? Not for me. And I would say for the vast majority of this fan base, the answer is still no. I mean, I think people realize Baylor's a really, really bad football team with just a horrible offense right now. I mean, it's, you know, we've only seen Baylor play three games this year, but they have not gotten anything going on the offensive side of the football. And you see that they put up 40 plus against Kansas, but they had two kickoff returns for touchdowns in that game. They got a lot of short fields because of defensive takeaways. That offense is really, really bad. So still some questions with Texas on defense for sure. Cause we've seen how this defense has looked in the other conference games this year. And offensively, I mean, I, the, the answer is no, right. Baylor's just not that good of a football team in Texas. Yeah. They were in control on Saturday. Uh, they weren't super, super dominant. I thought, but, uh, man, they still have some really, really tough games on the schedule, right? Going to Oklahoma State, they've got Iowa State still left. Uh, they've got Kansas State in Manhattan to end the year. I mean, those are the three top teams in this conference right now, standings-wise. So you still have some really, really tough games on the schedule. Now, if you ask me that question next week, right, if Texas goes into Stillwater and beats Oklahoma State, yeah, then the conversation definitely changes, and all of a sudden there's some optimism of, okay, hey, if we can beat the top team at their place, maybe we've got a shot to win out. but. Right now, I would say the rational Texas fan, which some people are probably rolling their eyes when they hear that, but the rational Texas fan is still not confident at all that this team is going to run the table the rest of the way. 2020 has been a hard year on a lot of people, but nothing has been worse in 2020 than the fact that we can't have full stadiums on a year where Halloween falls on a Uh, Saturday. Yep. That would be awesome. I mean, that's advantage Texas, right? Because that atmosphere at at T Boone Pickens would be ridiculous this weekend. Uh, and Texas not having to deal with the full crowd, I guess that helps the road team. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm a little bit bummed that that we won't get uh, the trick or treaters out and about on Saturday. That'd be a lot of fun. Like in a normal year, I would have just dressed up as a normal college student for Halloween and enjoyed the festivities in Lubbock or Stillwater or wherever I thought the most fun. Halloween game day setting would be probably Lubbock if we're being honest I I guarantee you nobody does Halloween better than tech in the big 12 Mm. I mean I I don't know if anybody parties better than tech in the big 12 right West Virginia Virginia, I was gonna say West Virginia West Virginia would uh would maybe disagree but I've done the Halloween bit uh in Lubbock man they they have a good time on the South Plains no doubt about that and then to get to your spread we'll obviously preview 
this weekend's games more on Thursday, our next episode of In Defense of the Big 12. But, I mean, that line, I think that has way more to do with Tom Herman than it does Texas, right? I mean, Tom Herman's propensity to play to his level of competition. It, it bodes well for Texas when they're underdogs like they are this weekend. It does not bode well for Texas when they're favorites. I think everybody knows that at this point. But, yeah, Tom Herman seemingly is able to get his teams up for big games more often than not, despite a lot of the failures he's had at the head co- as the head coach at Texas. Those big games, when Texas is not expected to win, his team is usually ready to go. So I was a little bit surprised to see that line. Uh, early in the week, I'm leaning Oklahoma State to cover that, but – I understand it, right? I mean, Vegas has been burned by Tom Herman's covers in the past, so they're going to uh, try to play this the best they can. I don't really care who wins Saturday in Stillwater. I just want Tom Herman to try to fight Mike Gundy again, like he did two <laughs> years ago. That would be spectacular. Who would win that fight, by the way? Ooh, uh, man, I, I don't like to bet against a guy with a mullet, man. I feel like that guy. Plus, we've seen Tom Herman swing a sledgehammer. It, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point, too. Honestly, I think that would make Tom Herman worse in a fight, right? Usually if you have a weapon that gives you the leg up, but considering how bad Herman looked with the sledgehammer in the Texas locker room a couple of years ago, I think that'd be uh, advantage Gundy if Herman had one of those guys. They should have kept Charlie Strong just because Easy. Charlie Strong could have beat everybody's ass in, in, yeah. in the conference, you know? Well, Chuck Strong, maybe. This is not wrestling here. This is, uh, this is football he had to coach. And uh, no, they should not have kept Charlie Strong. No, sir. Um. I think Dave Aranda is going to be a nice coach at Baylor. I really do. But offensively, they're just – they're not a good unit right now, man. Yeah. No, they're really bad. They're really, really bad. I mean, Charlie Brewer just – I mean, he looks like a shell of himself, right? Maybe all of those injuries that he suffered over his first three years are starting to take a toll. He doesn't throw the ball downfield at all. They don't They don't really trust him to throw the football down the field. Like, they're not even giving him the opportunity, which I think tells you everything you need to know about where Charlie Brewer's arm is right now. Uh, the running game hasn't been great. I think like they averaged three yards a carry on Saturday against Texas. I think they're only averaging like three yards a carry this season, and they played some mediocre defenses with Texas, West Virginia, and Kansas thus far. So the ground game isn't there. They're banged up on the offensive line. They had a couple of offensive linemen out this weekend. That unit isn't getting a whole lot done. Lack of weapons. I mean, Thornton's good. Snead is good on the outside. But, yeah, now that Baylor offense – it's a struggle for Larry Fedora and company, and I haven't seen a whole lot through three games that tells me that anything's going to change in 2020. That's going to be an issue all year long for them. Man, amidst a year that's already been tough, um, this might have been the toughest one this weekend for Kansas because you look at the final mm. stat sheet and you say, if you just looked at that, you'd say, wow, KU played them tough. KU had more first downs in K-State. They only had 61 less yards. They had 16 less rushing yards. Kansas State had seven more penalties in the game, um, and yet special teams is the reason why Kansas State beat KU 55-14 this weekend. KU can't cover a punt. No, no, that's been an issue all year long, right? I mentioned it a couple of minutes ago. It was kickoffs against Baylor, but two kickoff returns for touchdowns that Kansas gave up against Baylor in their week one matchup, but yeah, it was uh, it was punts this weekend. I mean, two punt returns for touchdowns for Brooks. He also had another long punt return inside the 20 to set K-State up with great field position, which they converted into a touchdown a little bit later. I mean, people neglect special teams, right? Everyone talks all Oklahoma does. I guarantee you that. Yeah, and it's been kind of a down year for special teams all across this league and all across the sport, right? I think you're seeing the effects of the truncated offseason show up on special teams more than you're seeing on offense and defense. But that's been a huge problem for Kansas. And what are you doing punting that guy the football? 
I mean, after the first one, like just punt it out of bounds. I don't care if you shank it. I don't care if it's short. I don't care if it's 30 yards. Just get it away from Brooks. And yet three times, right, they just never learned their lesson. They kept putting it back to them, and, and they couldn't tackle them. So I think I saw a stat that Brooks in that game alone, like I think he'd be, what, like top three in the country in punt return yards, like yeah. for anybody, not for individual players, like for any team in college Jeez. football. Brooks himself, after the Saturday he had, would be like top three in terms of punt return yardage in all of college football uh, he was really, really good. Give him some credit. But, yeah, the Kansas special teams unit is atrocious, and that word might not be strong enough to describe how bad they are. Um, I mean, I'm not saying anything we don't already know. KU's not winning the game this year. I mean, the throw in the towel factor, if it hasn't already happened, it's – I mean, what are they What are they playing for right now, man? Seriously. <sighs> A win. I mean, that's what they're looking for, I guess, is one win this year. And, hey, there's no win limit for bowl games this well, year. True. So, you know, keep in mind, the Jayhawks could be playing for some bowl eligibility here. Uh, But now to answer your question, I I don't know what they're playing for, man. I don't know what the future of Les Miles is, right? It's only year two for him. You know, the expectations weren't high, uh, but they they weren't this low. I mean, Kansas is horrible, 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 horrible. They'd lose to anybody in college football right now. Like, I I feel confident saying that. They are the worst team, not just in Power 5. Like, I think any G5 team that's playing right now would beat Kansas. They are effing terrible. And, you know, Les Les Miles is in his 60s. It doesn't feel like he's the same Les Miles, right? Not just in terms of results, but he just he doesn't look like he's 100% there in the head. Yep. Uh, So I don't know what the future is for him after this year. And I don't know how to answer that question, right? What is Kansas playing for the rest of the way? They got to find a quarterback, hopefully, for beyond this year because uh, they played all three guys and none of them have really shown any semblance of being a competent quarterback. So maybe one of those dudes can step up over these last five games and and, and take the job going into next year. But, yeah, they are, uh, they are really, really, really bad. And I don't know what the future is, but it's not good. It doesn't look good right now. Yeah, well, uh, maybe Texas will go down there and lose, and we can get uh, another eight years of <laughs> oh Texas lost to Kansas and football. That was obviously horrible in Charlie Strong's last year, right? Texas losing to Kansas because uh, that was a really bad Kansas team. But if, if Texas – I mean, if anybody loses to this Kansas team this year, dude, that's a fireball offense. Yeah, you should be fired right after the like, game. I don't care who it is. I don't care what the situation is. It could be Gary is. Patterson. It could be Gary Patterson. It could be Mike uh, – Mike Gundy already played him. It could be Gary Patterson. It could be Lincoln Riley. I don't Riley, care who it is. Yeah. I don't care who it is. If you lose to this year's Kansas team, you got to get the axe, man. They were that bad. Uh, Texas Tech and West Virginia, I could not have been more wrong on that. I thought West Virginia would roll Tech in Lubbock, but I didn't know that an 87-yard punt from Texas Tech was coming on Saturday. Dude, what was that? Was the wind blowing? Was that that West Texas wind or what? I mean, that's ridiculous, right? You have a touchback and it nets 67 yards. That is incredible from Austin McNamara, player of the game, just for that punt alone. I was right on this one, dude. I got to give myself some credit. I'm usually not right, so I get super, super excited when one of my picks does come in. I just – I don't think West Virginia is very good, man. I really don't. And I know some people were high on them, right? They were coming into this game, what, three and one, uh, with their one loss being to Oklahoma State. And they were kind of in that game in Stillwater until the very end. But I just don't think they're that good of a football team. And they needed two overtimes to beat Baylor. We saw how bad they looked. Uh, they, they, They only beat Kansas by three touchdowns. I don't want to knock them too much for that, but they were down 10 to nothing against Kansas. That's probably a better way to put it. Uh, so I just wasn't confident in them. I don't think Tech's that good of a football team. I don't think either of us are sitting here saying that, but I just, I figured you had two bad football teams. 
toss-up game. I'll give it to the home team. Uh, credit Columbia, the young quarterback for Texas Tech. He played a pretty solid game on Saturday. Very efficient. Didn't make a lot of mistakes for Texas Tech on offense. Uh, that guy seems to be the future of the quarterback position for them. But, uh, yeah, I just – West Virginia's bad, dude. I mean, these are these are two of the bottom three teams in the conference. Yeah. Kansas is obviously number 10, but Texas Tech and West Virginia. Oh, I guess Baylor, too. I guess you got to throw Baylor in there. But I think there's an obvious bottom tier of this league, and you probably throw all four of those teams in there right now. Uh, I guess we got a new comment today about uh, how bad Kansas is, actually. What do we have here? Syracuse, thanks you for your Kansas comment. Look, dude. Dude, Syracuse hung with the best team in America for like three quarters on Saturday, which, by the way, it really made me mad because I'm watching OUTCU on how much, TV. How much did you bet on this game, Tyler? How much did you bet on Clemson minus 46? I didn't bet on anything, but this has happened to me so many times in my life before. It's like, oh, okay. Like, I got to get the computer out to watch this other game because there's a potential upset. And every time I do that, like, okay, I got to switch my attention a little bit. The favorite just goes on and, and, and rolls the underdog. And that's exactly what happened. As soon as I turn it on, mm. Clemson goes on a run and puts Syracuse away. But, dude, Cuse, it was like 27-21 with two minutes left in the third quarter. Syracuse would destroy Kansas. Yeah. Destroy yeah. Kansas. Yeah, no, if Kansas played Clemson, I mean, it's name your score for Trevor Lawrence and company, right? They could put up triple digits on Kansas if they really, really wanted to. So, no, nah, Syracuse is uh, – they're bad. They're really, really bad. But, yeah, I mean, there's no way they're as bad as Kansas right now. And, hell, even Rutgers got to win this weekend. I mean, good for them. Greg yeah. Schiano, which yeah. is like the golden era of Rutgers football. He's back in the saddle. Yep. And Michigan State's got a long way to go, right, with all the transition with the coaching staff and personnel. I mean, they've got, they've got some work to do, no question. But, like, Rutgers would be the team that's like, all right, Kansas could at least beat Rutgers in Power 5, right? Uh, I think the answer to that is no. Rutgers would win by a couple of scores against this Kansas team. So they are bad, man. They are that bad right now. Hey, Jigs Dad, we uh, appreciate the comment. Um, if you want to, we'd love for you to be continue to be a part of our Twitch broadcast. All you got to do is hit the follow button. It's located at the bottom right of the screen. It's a little heart. And once you do that, you'll receive an email or text notification every time we go live on the Chris Landry Football Show. Every single time, just click on the link in the message and bam, you are watching us live. And anybody else watching, we'd uh, love to get a comment from you as well. And that's what I kind of vote this year in the college football playoff because whoever the number four team is this year, um, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Spartan Martins, Florida Gators, hmm. Clemson's going to destroy anybody. So we need to just put Syracuse in the first round of the semifinal because it'll at least be close for three quarters. Ah, right? I mean – are we, are, we already, problem, you know? hey. are we already at the point? I know Ohio State's only played one game, so this might feel a little bit ridiculous, but is it fighting for one spot, right? Are there three teams already locked into the college football yeah. playoff at this point with Clemson and Bama lost Jalen Waddle, which That's is obviously I know that sucks. monitor, which sucks. Yeah, the opening play, a kickoff return, he gets hurt against Tennessee. That blows, but they still rolled over Tennessee this weekend than Ohio State, right? I mean, everyone was predicting that before the season started anyways, that those three teams would make it to the Final Four. It feels like, once again, we've only seen one game from Iowa State – or from Ohio State, excuse me, so I don't want to jump the gun too much, but it feels like the rest of the country is fighting for one playoff spot right now. Well, I mean, clearly Penn State, who Ohio State plays this weekend, is not as good as we thought. You know, they lose Micah Parsons, the best defensive player, maybe the best defensive player in the Big Ten. They lose Journey Brown, maybe their best player offensively. And this Indiana football team is pretty 
pretty scrappy squad and yeah. what a win for them on Saturday. But I mean, there's nobody close to Ohio state in the big 10 other than maybe Wisconsin. They got pretty good quarterback play on Friday night. Yeah. But you've got to watch out for Graham Mertz, dude. Apparently he tested positive for COVID and in the big 10, they've got that 21 day oh. rule. So he might miss the next three weeks and they've got yeah. Michigan at some point within the next three weeks. And Michigan looked pretty good on Saturday. Yeah, they did. So, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, maybe Wisconsin. I mean, that that's probably your Big Ten championship. Once again, you don't want to overreact to one week. I'm saying that, and then I'm definitely overreacting to one week. But it feels like uh, those teams could be on a collision course to play in that Big Ten title game. But, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State's got a shot in this league, right? They definitely have the best chance of anybody in the Big 12 since they are the lone undefeated team in the Big 12. But uh, it'll be interesting to see right? How those one loss teams, obviously if Oklahoma state runs the table, they're getting in no questions asked. But if, uh, if it is a one loss situation this year, Oklahoma state against, you know, Notre Dame or against a, a Wisconsin or anybody in Florida, right? Anybody in college football. Well, I guess Florida can't have one loss, right? If they do, yeah. that means they beat Bama. So they definitely be in uh, out of the sec, maybe an A&M dude, maybe a one loss Texas A&M team, right? Like that. I, <laughs> Like at some point, they're going to pull an AM and blow it, but like they've got a shot technically. They're still in the mix. They've played their two toughest games and they went one and one in that stretch. And they're going to get lucky kind of by not having to play in the SEC championship game. So it's going to be fascinating, man, to watch. I mean, it is every year, but especially this year with how weird this season has been, it's going to be crazy to watch the committee try to find that fourth team. I can't believe you said that. I mean, 2020, <laughs> I myself, would officially, 2020 would officially be the worst ever, and it'd be so 2020 if Texas freaking A&M somehow made the playoff. Yeah. God. I'd cry, I think. That hurt. That would hurt so bad. Look where Texas is right now, too. That's just twisting the knife for uh, for Longhorn fans. There's still a shot. There's still a shot for the Aggies. I know people are probably laughing and rolling their eyes right now, but you look at the rest of the schedule, man. They get some help from across the country uh, they, they've got a shot, believe it or not. I can't wait for AM to lose to Ole Miss, though. Yeah. They're like inside oh, they're the gonna, top five, man. They got Arkansas this week, right? They'll lose to Arkansas or something. Dude, Arkansas's not bad. Uh, yeah. Sam Pittman can coach up better. there, dude. I think that game's at Jerry World again. Uh, I think for last, the last time, time, I think. I think it's the last time and it's at Jerry World. I think so, too. So, yeah. Uh, obviously, if Oklahoma State, right? They control their own destiny. If they went out, which I don't think they're going to do, as good as they've looked through a month of the season, I think they'll have at least one slip up the rest of the way. But once again, we have this conversation every year, right? One lost big 12 champion. Uh, how does that fare against the other one lost teams across college football? Sometimes you don't have to have that discussion, right? Sometimes it plays itself out with Utah as a one loss PAC 12 team losing in their conference championship that opened the door for Oklahoma in 2019. Uh, maybe that'll be the case this year, but as of right now, it's fun to have these debates to, uh, to see how this thing's going to shake out. Uh, why we're getting uh, a little bit national? You mentioned all the you know playoff scenarios. Who can make it in as a one-loss team? Former Longhorn himself, Shane Bouchelle, had a rough go of it against Cincinnati. Dude, Cincinnati's legit. Yep, I think BYU is legit as well with Zach Wilson. I think he's a heck of a quarterback. Any chance either of those two teams, even without a marquee game, makes Man, it? That's a great point, right? I mean, we we have that discussion every year, but it feels like it's uh, a little bit louder this year with these shortened schedules that we have across college football and the lack of non-conference resume-boosting type of games that we have in college football this year. So, I mean, those teams have to run the table, right? Cincinnati can't afford a loss. BYU can't afford a loss. And the question becomes, is that enough to get them in? Uh, man, I don't know. I mean, we haven't we haven't seen that answer be yes in the past, so I, I'm leaning no. 
Now, if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 hadn't started college football this year, if they never resumed play, I know the Pac-12 hadn't started yet, but they're going to here in a couple of weeks, then I would say, yeah, this is definitely the year that a Cincinnati or a BYU can find their way into the Final Four. But because everybody's back in the fold, uh, it feels like that answer is probably a no, unless everybody else has two losses, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the question becomes like, if the Big 12 champ has two losses, like let, let's say Bama, Clemson, and Ohio State are getting in, right? Let's just assume that. I think any of those teams can afford a loss and will still probably find their way into the college football playoff because of what they've done in the past. Uh, and I assume they'd still win their conference championship, even if they slip up at some point. But, Do you think – oh, yeah, go ahead. Finish that thought. Yeah, I was just gonna, like, what, what, what happens with that fourth spot, right? Is it, uh, is it you know, one loss – like an A&M in that situation where if they don't play for their conference championship or one loss Wisconsin, let's say Wisconsin goes undefeated in the regular year, but loses to Ohio state in the conference championship game. Like, what do you do? Do you put a, uh, uh, an undefeated group of five school Cincinnati, they run the table, they win the act. Do you put them in or do you go one loss non-conference championship winner? That's the most fascinating debate for me. We haven't seen that, right? We saw Alabama get in a couple of years ago as a non-conference champion, one loss team, but uh, this year, maybe it changes, but I'm still leaning no. Speaking of BYU, Manny Diaz is the head coach at Miami. They're a one-loss team. They're ranked 12th this week in the AP poll. Do you think Manny Diaz would rather not go to a bowl game or have to play BYU oh. in a New Year's Six game? And for people on, that man. don't understand that joke, Manny Diaz got fired by Mac Brown Come after on, they man. went out to Provo and lost. I'm just asking. Just asking. You know, Texas finally won a game. Like, I'm finally feeling good about college football for the first time in forever, and you're doing this to me, man. There's no need. There's no need for these cheap shots. Uh, come on yeah. now. At least they got uh, – who are they replacing with, Greg Robinson that year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Didn't, didn't work out too well uh, for <laughs> Texas or for Mac Brown. Uh, Taysom Hill is gone, which is great, but this Zach Wilson kid is – he's legit, man. He's really, really fun to watch. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to have Kyle. Like, Saturday was so awesome, man. And then when the Pac-12, I know the Pac-12 is not very good. Uh, they only have two ranked teams right now. And you'd question whether or not they should be ranked, right? Because we haven't seen them this year, especially USC for some reason is in the top 25. But like Saturday was awesome. Having pretty much a full slate of college yeah, football was. games and the Pac-12 comes back in two weeks, I think. Like that's going to be absolutely spectacular. So it's great. I don't want to say it's going off without a hitch because there have been plenty of hitches this year. But the fact that we have most of it back – is uh is pretty damn cool, and I know every sports fan and their mother was starved for it over the off season. So it's uh, it's fun to have it all here. Spartan Barton thinks it would be uh, disrespectful if they let somebody in and not UCF in after uh, what they've went through. It'd be pretty disrespectful, but I think we'd all sit back and laugh at UCF, wouldn't we? Like, isn't that crazy? Like, they're supposed to be the team that nobody hates, but after they claim the national championship and everything since then, I feel like most college football fans hate UCF. Which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, th there's some arrogance within that fan base for sure. Right. I mean, they overcooked it. And I guess somebody, one of the publications actually honored their national championship. But yeah. uh, I think anyone with a brain doesn't view that as a legitimate national title. Look, they got screwed. That's why the college football playoff should be eight teams. And I know there's a bunch of numbers out there that say, no, 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 it should be four. But those teams deserve a chance, man. If you run the table, you deserve a chance to compete for a national championship. It's not right. So, yeah, I, I see why people don't like UCF. The arrogance of that fan base is ridiculous. But if I was a UCF fan, I'd probably be that arrogant too, and I'd be super pissed off, and I'd felt wronged, and I'd feel wronged forever that my team didn't even have a shot 
to compete for a national championship. And then they beat Auburn, who beat Alabama that year, who played for the national title. So it's like, I don't know. I get it. But uh, every year is different, I guess, resume-wise. And if if there's no one-loss team to take that fourth spot and you do have an undefeated Cincinnati, then you probably have to put them in. <laughs> I know that we're a football podcast, but was Saturday – maybe one of your greatest sports days since you've been alive? Oh, man. It was pretty spectacular. It was uh, – You got to sit around and watch football all day. Yeah. And then one of the craziest innings to a World Series game that we've seen in a long time, BK was there. That's yeah. what That's what Brad did on Saturday. He watched football all day long, and then he went to a World Series game that had a crazy ending. That was awesome, man. Yeah, I'm really lucky. I'm really, really lucky. Um, that was a spectacular game. What a comeback by the Rays. What a wacky finish, as you mentioned. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was weird, right? The scene. I mean, it was just it was cool to be at a live sporting event, right? With some fans in the stands. Like that was awesome. I, I missed that. And that was my first baseball game this year. Uh, it was my first time inside the GILF, which is what I call Globe Life Field. Ah, oh, GLF. Great, yeah. If you don't know what that means, just uh, do a Google image search or something like that. And see well, what tell us what it means, Tyler. I'm actually not the uh, – oh, Google yeah. image search. Ooh, yeah. That's, uh, that's, yeah. I would have gone Urban Dictionary there. But, hey, if you're yeah. – you know, to each his own. Depends on what you're into. Hey, yeah, yeah. Out here. That, that stadium is beautiful up there in Arlington. Really nice to see. It never felt like a World Series game just because of the lack of crowd, right, the 25% of attendance that they're going for. But, no, nah, I was I was pretty lucky to uh, to get to see that one on Saturday. That was a lot of fun. Hey, don't forget to take advantage of our special gaming offers from American betting experts. Just go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet for $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. We appreciate our sponsor, American betting experts. Harrison's got a comment for us. How about this? Ooh, that's a good question. Would you trade your World Series experience to see Texas run the table? That's weird. I don't know how to answer that, right? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if running the table means winning the Big 12, then okay. Okay, sure. but here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. If you run the table and win the Big 12, Tom Herman's back in 2021. Right. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword there. It's a double-edged sword there. I know. Um, shoot, this is the hardest question I've ever been asked in my entire life. And Sam Ellinger can stand in Arlington and say, Longhorn Nation, we're back again. Come on, dude. There's no way he'd make that mistake again. Uh, yeah, no, if running the table meant Texas winning the Big 12 championship this year, then sure, I would trade the experience. I don't know how to make that happen. I don't know how to trade experiences. Do I go to a cash for gold uh, spot and try to trade it in to a pawn shop? hit up the Pawn Stars and make that happen. Uh, I don't know. But, yeah, if running the table, hypothetical world, running the table means winning the Big 12, then sure, I would trade that. Thank you for uh, reminding me of Pawn Stars. That's how I will be <laughs> my uh, Monday evening as I just read a uh, column this morning about Chum Lee getting in trouble from that show. So uh, mm. I, I did not think Pawn Stars was going to pop up on today's show, but yet here we are, and I'm not Ooh, complaining. Spartan Barton is just like ripping today. God, he is in a mood. Winning the Big 12 is like a participation trophy. Uh, he also said, living the life to you. Too bad you're a Texas fan. Mm. He's out for blood today. Come on, Ooh. man. What's going on here? Why is everybody so angry? Uh, it is Monday, I guess. That that probably explains it. But winning the Big 12 is like winning a participation trophy. I, I don't agree with that. I mean, I know this conference is down this year, and I know it's 
kind of been down for the last few years outside of Oklahoma, but it's still a big deal to win your conference title. There's no question about that. And it usually means a spot in the college football playoff. Now it's always one team winning it and getting to the college football playoff, but now the Pac-12 feels like a participation trophy because you don't make it to oh, the God, final four yes. you win the Pac-12. The Big 12, usually that means you've got a spot in the final four. Now things have not gone well for the Big 12 in the final four, but I won't go full participation trophy even this year with the league as, uh, as wide open as it appears to be. <laughs> Heather Denich sent out a tweet uh, for ESPN on Saturday. It was something like, Oklahoma State is the Big 12's last hope to make the playoff, and if they win out, they'll have a chance to be in. A chance? What? They're like ranked number six right now. If they win out and they're undefeated, they're going to be in. What are you talking about there, Heather? What's going on? Yeah, uh, that's that's a bad take right there. If they win out, they're definitely getting in. And I think if they lose one game and win the Big 12, they I don't want to say definitely, but I would say with like 85% certainty, they're getting in. Yeah. I mean, unless like yeah. – you look around the country, right? If Oregon, I guess, runs the table in the in the shortened Pac-12, but like one loss Oregon with that shortened season that they're going to have in the Pac-12, I wouldn't put them in over Oklahoma State. And they're going to be playing catch-up in the rankings, right? Because they're, what, yep. 14 or 15 right now? So, no, if Oklahoma State runs the table, they're getting in. And man, if there's a one-loss Big 12 champion, it feels like they always find their way in. So yep. one-loss Big 12 champion is getting in over a one-loss A&M if they don't play for their conference title. A one-loss Wisconsin, if they lose their conference title, that's how it's always been, and I'm going to stick to my guns on that. I'll admit if I'm wrong, but it's ne- I've never been wrong with that take to this point. Even if the Big 12 is that down, if if that's the situation, you're comparing resumes, if there's a one-loss Big 12 champion, they're going to find their way into the college football playoff over an undefeated G5 team and over a one-loss non-conference champion elsewhere. Uh, we can get to one more comment here, and I got a question, a random question for you here at the end. Harrison's got something else, I guess. Brad, are we at the point as Texas fans where we really want Tom gone? I'm not sure who would want to take this job, and we may be stuck with our plan C or D like Charlie. Um, Yeah, I mean, a lot of Texas fans are done with Tom Herman, right? He's pissed off just about everybody there is to piss off. The big money donors, the fan base, the administration at the university – it uh, feels like a lot of the players, now they won't say this, but it feels like uh, the players might not be 100% bought into the messages Tom Herman is preaching right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Longhorn fans are ready to move on. Dog here Dog uh, really wants Tom Herman gone. I go. mean, I mean she's just been hanging out this entire time and just, yeah. you know, just being quiet. Then she heard the thought of Tom Herman not being gone, couldn't con- couldn't contain herself. What is that, Reveille you got over there or something? Yeah. Hey, uh, but seriously, that does go to my random question, okay? Yeah. Shoot. Oklahoma hates Texas. Texas hates Oklahoma. Oklahoma laughs at Texas A&M. What does Texas think of Oklahoma State? Texas fans? Okie light. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think they're dorks, but I didn't know what you what you. Yeah, think. like uh, no, no super hard feelings, right? I mean, Oklahoma State has had the better of Texas over the last few years, so it's hard to, to talk too much trash about the Pokes right now. Uh, I blip on the radar in terms of like large scale, big picture thoughts. I don't think right. they're viewed as uh, as too much of a threat. I, I don't think, I don't think Texas view Oklahoma state fans in the same light that Oklahoma fans view Texas A&M fans. I think there's more hatred from OU to A&M than there is from Texas to Oklahoma state. Well, to be fair, there's, there's not a fan base in college football. That's more looks at things more unrealistically than Texas A&M. They have this overblown view of themselves that could not be further from the truth. Yeah. 
I don't disagree with that at all. And maybe Oklahoma State has a little bit of that. And hell, the last ten years, maybe Texas has had a little bit of that too. Yeah. Unfortunately, A and M, Arkansas, A and M, and Arkansas, I always think are like the most. I don't know. Mich- Michigan, Michigan's got to be up there too. God, Michigan too. Like oh. current Michigan. I mean, they obviously have more history than either of those two schools you just brought up, but they haven't done anything in the last two decades in terms of like national prominence. Uh, boy, so we're, we're kind of in a waiting pattern this week until Saturday. Not a whole lot of big storylines that we're looking out for, right? I, I just not the controversy at Texas that there were the last two weeks. It's just kind of. Let's see if Texas can rebound yeah. in Stillwater. Let's see if Oklahoma can continue to play well out in Lubbock. Things kind of righted themselves, right? I mean, Oklahoma looked good, pretty stress-free win. Texas looked good, pretty stress-free win. They took care of business. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma State, very, very impressive. That was your biggest storyline from this past weekend. But, I mean, the two big dogs in terms of headlines uh, did what they were supposed to do. And if there's no controversy, there's not a lot to talk about around these yeah. parts. So, yeah, we'll obviously preview the game's – uh, this weekend coming up on Thursday, but uh, I think we hit just about everything there is to hit today. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, um, we appreciate all the comments today. Appreciate everybody joining us. We're back at 10 a.m. Central Time on Thursday, so please join us for that. Uh, we'll talk some Big 12. Maybe we found some. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more national college football too as uh, we move forward as well. But another exciting weekend, the Big 12 coming up. We hope that you'll join us uh, right here on Twitch, 10 a.m. Central Time on the Chris Landry Football Network. For Brad Kellner, I'm Tyler McComas. We'll talk to you then. It's in defense of the Big 12. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.